0: Welcome to the quartering podcast for Tuesday, the 20th of December. First up, Elon Musk just went to war with the FBI for spending millions in taxpayer dollars to censor us. Yesterday's Twitter files
1: revealed probably the first really actionable evidence, maybe the second kind of really actionable evidence trove that has been released. Except this time, Elon is continuing to pile on. This morning, he's been going directly at Representative Adam Schiff, directly at the FBI, directly at mainstream media. He's on an absolute war path, demanding answers as to why the United States government, the FBI, uh, conspired, at least in my opinion, to defraud, to to, to lie, to um, um, obfuscate the truth from the American people, to infringe on the American people's First Amendment rights. We've seen evidence in print, the actual receipts out there, and it's time for some heads to roll. And many people are calling for the abolition, complete abolition of the FBI, including some of what we've seen about the CIA. Uh, <clears throat> and, um, and you know, former president. I'm starting to wonder. Uh, it, it's it's very scary when you th- when you when you think about it. Some of the biggest bombshells. That happened were, of course, that the FBI paid Twitter $3.4 million for doing its dirty work on users and uh, more. The FBI paid Twitter nearly $3.5 million of taxpayer cash to ban accounts largely linked to conservative voices and target, quote, so-called foreign influence operations. Except none of the evidence actually showed anything from a foreign perspective. It was all johnny two follower making election jokes and things of that nature In an email dated february 10th an unidentified twitter employee told then deputy general counsel jim baker and then general counsel sean Edgett that quote we have collected 3.4 million dollars since october 2019 exclamation point the email published by independent journalist michael schellenberger explained Twitter Safety, Content, and Law Enforcement Division had instituted a reimbursement program in exchange for devoting staff hours to, quote, processing FBI requests. Now, this in and of itself isn't that crazy. You know, you should be paid for your time. But when you see the things that the FBI was asking them to do, that's where it gets insane. The message added that Twitter had opted not to exercise its right of reimbursement prior to October 2019, though it did not say why. The email notes that the funds will be used by Twitter on quote, law enforcement-related projects, including law enforcement training, tooling, etc. The reports by Schellenberger and fellow independent journalists Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss have revealed extensive collaboration and employee overlap between Twitter and the FBI, who Taibbi reported last week, treated the social media company as a literal subsidiary and repeatedly reported supposed misinformation. In the sixth installment of the Twitter Files last Friday, Tybee revealed that the Bureau was so aggressive in sending Twitter quote possible possible violative content to review that an employee described one set of material as monumental, a monumental undertaking. On Monday, Schellenberger reported that the FBI and other law enforcement agencies Repeatedly primed Twitter's former head of trust and safety, Yoel Roth, to dismiss the, the New York Post's bombshell October 2020 report on the president's son's computer. The files revealed that the FBI could communicate with Twitter top executives through multiple channels, including email accounts and specifically built encrypted portals. The Bureau would often send company lists the company lists of users they wanted investigated for for terms of use violation. This is, I mean, this is absolute bananas. They took United States citizens' money to infringe on our rights, our First Amendment rights. This is probably the biggest story of our time, and unfortunately, everyone's getting kind of sick of hearing about Elon Musk. And, you know, I'm hoping that people still are as invested, at least in this stuff, because this matters. I mean, look, the election's coming up. Don't think that they weren't also doing the same thing with Facebook, Instagram, um, every social media platform. Almost certainly. YouTube. I wonder how many YouTube videos were suppressed due to FBI emails, inquiries, right? Susan, maybe you should release the files. People need to know. They deserve to know, especially your employees, us creators. The FBI would also flag media articles on alleged foreign influence campaigns that Twitter would have to look into and debunk repeatedly reporting almost no very little russian activity so the fbi kept trying to push this narrative kept trying to tell twitter no 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 it's russia isn't it it's definitely russia it's definitely russia except they never had any evidence of that and it's in the it's in print we have that evidence time and again the fbi asked twitter for evidence And they find nothing worth reporting. The FBI also repeated requests for internal data from Twitter that social media company refused to send over setting
2: privacy concerns. This is, I mean, FBI pressured Twitter sent troves of
1: documents hours before the New York Post broke the computers, the president's son's computer story. I mean, think about that. We know, I think it was 2019, the FBI knew the laptop was real and that the files were real and that it wasn't hacked material, and they told Twitter, actually, it isn't real and you should be telling people that it's hacked and you should be treating it as such. Let me say that again. The FBI knew that the laptop was real, and they still told Facebook and Twitter and others, according to these files, that it was fake. Why else would you do that if you're not working to support the Biden campaign?
2: We saw how Director Comey was with his TDS, right? Now, I think there are probably a
1: lot of good agents at the FBI, and a lot of them are just, quote, following orders. I still like to think they do some good in this world. But this, I mean, leadership needs to get cleaned out, all of them. Anybody who has involved with this... Um, agent, uh, Elvis Chan, gone. Anybody who is his superior, gone. Anybody who authorized any of this, gone, and publicly gone. Criminal charges, I assume, for some. And now today, Elon's been pretty much on the warpath, amplifying this story. Tweeting out multiple times, three hours ago, resharing government-paid Twitter millions of dollars to censor information from the public. Then he writes, as outgoing Hatburn, chair of House Intelligence, did you approve hidden state censorship in direct violation of the Constitution of the United States? And tags Representative Adam Schiff. He also retweets one hour ago David Sachs' tweet saying, We need a new church commission to investigate why the FBI and the intelligence community are engaged in social media censorship including the suppression of the
2: president's son's computer story. I mean, yeah, and he's referencing Frank Church's investigation and things of that nature.
1: He retweets Dave Rubin here, which I can't see after I called him uh, a, a fake a man of the people, an elitist, baby buyer. I didn't call him a baby buyer, but he did buy babies. But... You know, after I called him out on his blue checkmark elitism, he blocked me, but he points out other social media companies too, not just Twitter. And that's the thing. Like if we have thousands of examples or hundreds of examples of it happening on Twitter, how many more examples are there on Facebook? Probably even more. Was the FBI involved in removing parlor? Probably. I can't say that for sure, but sure. Wouldn't surprise me. Would it wouldn't surprise you either. I mean this is the biggest story yet. And if if you're if you know if our lawmakers aren't immediately working to you know be you know we're still talking about J6 for crying out loud. They're still investigating a couple of idiots that went a little too far. That's what it really was. It wasn't
2: the biggest attack on democracy on the No.
1: They talk about that because they don't want to talk about this kind of stuff.
2: Who knows just how deep this goes? Would Mark Zuckerberg be willing to restore some
1: good faith in Facebook by sharing additional files? Can they be subpoenaed? Is there a court high enough that can actually bring some justice? Doesn't seem like it.
0: And next up, Elon Musk reveals the U.S. military used Twitter for covert state-run propaganda networks. Some new Twitter files dropped.
1: No live stream. I'll be probably chilling on live streams a little bit till the new year. I have got one one or two left, but uh, just trying to uh, focus on the most important stories. This from Lee Fang. I had not known that Lee Fang was involved in this. This is from The Intercept. Maybe he replaced Barry Weiss. How Twitter Quietly Aided the Pentagon's Covert Online PSYOP Campaign Despite promises to shut down covert state-run propaganda networks, Twitter documents show that social media giant directly assisted the U.S. military's influence operations. Twitter has claimed for years that they make concerted efforts to detect and thwart government-backed platform manipulation Here is Twitter testifying to Congress about its pledge to rapidly identify and shut down all state-backed covert information operations and deceptive propaganda. But behind the scenes, Twitter have gave approval and special protection to the United States military online psychological influence ops. Despite knowledge that the Pentagon propaganda accounts used covert identities, Twitter did not suspend many for around two years or more. Some remain active still. In 2017, a U.S. Central Command official sent Twitter a list of 52 Arab language accounts. Quote, we use to amplify certain messages that we use. The official asked for priority service for six accounts, verification for one whitelist abilities for others. Yikes. Man, it feels. Are any of you feeling like, I I know that like a lot of my viewers are, well, quite frankly, more smart than I am, smarter than I am. You probably are like, duh, everyone knew this. But I find myself feeling like, oh my God, you know, like I was worried about the Packers 17% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, This stuff's going on and, and, you know, man, it's easy to get, you know, fleeced. It's easy to like not be uh, awake to this stuff. The same day centcom sent the list twitter officials used a tool to grant special quote whitelist tag that essentially provides verification status to the accounts without a blue check meaning they are exempt from spam or abuse flags more visible likely to trend on hashtags the centcom accounts for the list tweeted frequently about the united states military priorities in the middle east including promoting anti-iran messages promoting of the saudi arabia u.s backed war in yemen and, quote, accurate U.S. drone strikes they claimed to only target Terry's. CENTCOM then shifted strategies and deleted disclosures of ties to their Twitter accounts. The bios of the accounts changed to seemingly organic profiles. One bio read, Euphrates Pulse. Another used an apparent deep fake profile picture claimed to be the source of an Iraqi opinion. One Twitter who a fo- uh, official who spoke to me said he feels deceived by the covert shift. Still, many emails from throughout 2020 show that high-level Terry executives were well aware of the DOD's uh, vast network of fake accounts and covert propaganda and did not spend or suspend the accounts. For example, Twitter lawyer Jim Baker mused in a July 2020 email about upcoming DOD meeting that the Pentagon used poor tradecraft in setting up its network and were seeking strategies for not exposing these accounts that were linked to each other or the Department of Defense or USG stacia Card- cardier Cardilly, i don't know another twitter attorney replied that the pentagon wanted scif and may want to retroactively classify its social media activities to obfuscate their activity in the space and they may represent an overclassification to avoid embarrassment.
2: Well, interesting. In several other 2020 emails, high-level Twitter executives'
1: lawyers discussed the Covert Network and even recirculated the 2017 list from CENTCOM and shared another list of 157 underscores Pentagon accounts, again, mostly focused on Middle East military issues. In May 2020, Twitter's Lisa Roman emailed the DoD with two lists. One list was accounts previously provided to U.S. and another was a list Twitter detected. The accounts tweeted in Russian and Arabic on U.S. military issues in Syria uh, and uh, other areas. Many also did not disclose Pentagon ties. So the Pentagon and the Department of Defense is just using using Twitter for its own ops. Certainly what it seems like, right? Just, you know, just go ahead and use Twitter for your own Uh, military ops because that that seems like a good idea. That seems like something the American people might want to know about. In August of 2022, a Stanford Internet Observatory report exposed the U.S. military covert propaganda network on Facebook, Telegram, Twitter, and other apps using fake news portals and deep fake images and memes against U.S. foreign adversaries. The U.S. propaganda network relentlessly pushed narratives against Russia, China, and other foreign countries. They accused Iran of threatening Iraq's water security and flooding the country with crystal meth and harvesting organs of Afghan refugees. The Stanford report did not identify all the accounts of the network, but one of them they did name was the exact same Twitter account. CENTCOM asked for whitelist privileges in this 2017 email. So the Department of Defense worked hand in glove with Twitter to spread propaganda in the Middle East. In subsequent reporting, Twitter was cast as an unbiased hero. For removing a network of fake user accounts promoting pro Western policy positions, media covering the story described Twitter as evenly applying its policies and proactive into suspending the DoD network. The reality is much more murky. Twitter actively assisted CENTCOM's network going back to 2017 and as late as 2020, knew these accounts were covert, designed to deceive them, manipulate the discourse, a violation of Twitter's policies and promises they waited for years to suspend. Twitter's comms teams was closely in touch with reporters working to minimize Twitter's role. When the Washington Post reported on the scandal, Twitter officials congratulated each other because the story didn't mention any Twitter employees and focused largely on the Pentagon. So they knew. The Twitter employees knew. The conduct with the U.S. military covert network stands in stark contrast with how Twitter has boasted about rapidly identifying and taking down covert accounts tied to state-backed influence operations, including Thailand. Russia, Venezuela, and others since 2016. Here is my reported piece with more detail. I was given access to Twitter for a few days. I signed and agreed to nothing. Twitter had no input in anything I wrote. The searches were carried out by a Twitter attorney, so what I saw could be limited. The revelations are buried in the archives of Twitter's emails and internet tools to which The Intercept is granted access for a brief period alongside a handful of other writers and reporters. I expect to see even more coming out. Following Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter, the billionaire started giving access to company documents, saying in a Twitter space that the general idea is to surface anything bad Twitter had done in the past. The files, which included records generated under Musk's ownership, provide unprecedented, if incomplete, insight into decision-making within a major social media company. Twitter did not provide unfettered access to company information. Rather, for three days last week, they allowed me to make requests without restriction that were then fulfilled on my behalf by an attorney, meaning the search results may not have been exhaustive, but, and I did not agree in any conditions governing the use of the documents, and I made the efforts to authenticate and contextualize the documents through further reporting, the redactions and the embedded documents, the story were done by The Intercept to protect the privacy, not Twitter." Now, I don't want to take away from Lee Fang's work here, so I think you should you know, try to read it. And his account, you know, these reporters and, and journalists who are actually doing real work, you know, they do deserve, but w- what we know now is like, you know, it's deeply concerning if the Pentagon is working to shape public opinion about our military's role abroad. And even worse, if private companies are helping to conceal it,
2: that's exactly what they're doing. That's exactly what they did. This is, I mean, this is only the tip of the iceberg.
0: I'm absolutely certain of it. And next up, Avatar 2, blasted by woke critic for insane reason. She immediately regrets it. You may
1: or may not have heard a particular movie called Avatar, well, Avatar 2, in this particular case, and the monumental task it must undertake in the box office to make clear net $2 billion just to break even, but maybe a little less known, a lesser known storyline of Avatar 2 is the hilarious fake outrage about cultural appropriation and the way that the movie theater stock market has reacted to the movie making a lot of money, but not making all of the money. This is what happens that the modern theater landscape is very different it is not impossible for a movie to pass the one billion dollar mark and this is a question a lot of people had after the lockdowns lifted would people have you know the stones to go back out and see movies and i said at that time that there would be a certain section of the population that would just always be afraid that would never Uh, Go out and see them go out to the movies anymore, not go out to any concerts anymore, all this stuff. But it's not impossible. We have several billion dollar movies. We had Top Gun, we had uh, Spider Man made a billion, Um, Fast and Furious was really close, and that was even in the thick of it all. So, I mean, it's not outside of the realm of possibility, but two billion that's an awful lot of dimp. But what's interesting is the hilarious fake outrage that we're gonna have a good laugh at. So there was a Rotten Tomatoes critic that uh, decided the casting of white people as blue creatures is gross cultural appropriation. Now, I don't know if, if you've been outside lately. You know, and I know I have a lot of international viewers, I don't know if you know it's different in your country. I'm sure, I'm sure we can all relate to this. Uh, have you seen any nine-foot-tall blue people lately? I'm not sure whose culture they're appropriating. Avatar The Way of the Water debuted in theaters over the weekend 13 years after its predecessor. And We're going to talk about whether or not it's going to be able to make any money. I don't think it will. But I don't, also don't think it's inherently a bad movie. I think people that really enjoyed the first Avatar movie will surely enjoy the second Avatar movie. It's just, it's not. the original Avatar was like a cultural phenomenon, a worldwide phenomenon. And um, unless everyone just keeps going to see it over the holiday, I suppose that's it's possible. But anyway, much has changed since 2009. In 2022, casting white actors as blue aliens is racist. It's a form of cultural appropriation, in fact. That is according to a woman named Kathia Woods, who credits herself as a Rotten Tomatoes-approved critic. Woods sometimes writes for NBC News. She recently reviewed films such as Babylon, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, and Avatar 2. Woods enjoyed Guillermo, but she can't say the same about... Uh, Guillermo? I mean, maybe Pinocchio, you mean? Can't say the same about Avatar. She rated the sequel of 4 of 10 because it didn't impress her. Particularly the casting is to blame. Miss Woods is fed up with studios casting white people as blue Smurf-looking creatures, hence her low approval. Woods calls the film in a uh, filming of beings, calls the beings in the film people of color, whom basic whites should not portray. This is a real tweet. At some point, we got to talk about the cultural appropriation of Avatar, and white actors are cause, as cosplaying as POCs. It's just a mess and not so necessarily and not necessarily and no amount of visual effects CGI is going to erase that bad lace fronts, dry synthetic braids, Jesus fix it. Now obviously we need to get right into the dunks. This is like the NBA dunk competition. Of course, not only did the tweet get fact checked, it got ruthlessly ratioed into oblivion, which gives me hope this christmas season readers have had a context they thought people might want to know the neavi are a race of s- sapient extraterrestrial humanoids who inhabit the lush jungle moon of pandora they are extraterrestrials non-human there are no extraterrestrials on earth to play these roles <laughs> therefore the race of the humans playing them is irrelevant. <laughs> the fact check, absolutely amazing. Of course, uh, you know, you see, did you see the context placed on your tweet? It doesn't prove anything and Elon supports the right wing nuts, but they tweet that, but the tweet is staying up, period. They can kick rocks. Sounds like somebody hurt your feelings by telling the truth. It's been all day, including my Instagram. Even Outkick wrote, wrote about it. Well, it's probably because your opinion is hilarious.
2: Wasn't there some, some outcry about the first movie casting POC in the alien roles? I, I mean, I get the same... What? Ignore the
1: simpletons? I think we're going to have to go. Folks, we're going to have to go to the quote tweets to get the truth on this one. Here is uh, Talib Starks. Or Starkes. Looks like a black gentleman. Racist is so scarce in her actual life that she had to utilize extraterrestrials from a fictional moon planet of Pandoria and the Alpha Centauri star system to prove her point. (laughs) what white actors are cosplaying as pocs yeah let blue people play the fictional aliens stupid well i can't say all that daily wire quote even quote tweeted her blue lives matter no oh the blue blue these people are still trying to get attention by getting people mad about stuff like this reminds me of people are still shilling crypto stuff no one cares anymore the cost of distribution is so low that someone always tries
2: nice blockbuster flag too but a good take <laughs> at some point we got to talk about the unabashed racists who see blue alien
1: species and equate it to black people yeah isn't that funny how the um they do the people do this with uh with um orcs in lord of the rings and then also in dungeons and dragons like Nobody actually sees black people as orcs, except these weirdos. Definitely one of the dumbest women. Maybe I should tell you your race not to steal native braids, but I don't even understand that. How dare white actors play blue aliens? I mean there there's like literally nobody go outside. Um, <laughs> I mean, all this. But to get to the film itself, the audience clearly likes it. The people that the people that
2: paid to see it. I'm not an Avatar fan. I don't really, I don't get like, I
1: know that the film is visually stunning. I just know this. People I trust say this. I've seen the trailers. Um, But it's just not really a film for me. But that doesn't mean it's not good. The critics gave it a 78. Fans gave it 93%. When I see a movie with a runtime that is over three hours, it better be Lord of the Rings. Like, I'm over, I don't know about you, I've talked about this, I've been talking about this for months, I'm over movies going over two hours. It's getting ridiculous, self-indulgent, I, I, I hate it. It's like when uh, musicians, in particular in the R&B and pop rap uh, groups, started making their, their records like 20 tracks long so they could get more playtime to get awards. The perfect record, by the way, is 10 songs, maybe even nine. 20 songs on the album is ridiculous. That'd be a double disc set. Okay. Which no one wants anyway. Few have pulled it off in the past. Smashing Pumpkins did. But you have this, this is like, you know, a fine movie. I don't have any problem. It's going to lose money. Yeah, the director, of course, famously saying testosterone is toxic. What? What? Testosterone trended on Twitter on Sunday, and that's not because uh, it paid eight dollars. Blah blah blah. Why? Well, Cameron James Cameron said a wild he he once described himself as a wild testosterone poisoned young man and labeled it as a toxin
2: that you must slowly work out of your system. What? What? What do you what? All these Hollywood
1: types are weird. I mean, there's no there is no way. To Elon Musk, testosterone rocks, not going to lie. There's no way that this movie makes $2 billion. And that, by the way, is just to break even. And by the way, he's got, what, like three more sequels planned? I don't know if he's going to get funding for it. I mean, this film is, is going to have to be the number one film of all time by a wide margin. It's not like they paid a, a billion, you know, $750 million to make it or something. Like, it, it, the budget is insane. And and you have an
2: Avatar 2 budget, right? Wait, oh, that's the original Avatar, right?
1: $250 million. That can't be right. Yeah, here, Avatar 2 is so expensive, it must become the fourth or fifth highest grossing film in history just to break even. Production alone was in the $250 million range, but director James Cameron isn't willing to give a hard number just yet. I assume they... It's probably all the video effects they spent all that money on. I mean, is it going to get $2 billion? It seems unlikely. That doesn't mean it's not a good movie. But I think the era of these huge budget films, probably not going to do it. You see, obviously, China box office of Avatar opens far below tracking uh, because they've got a coup situation going on over there. They're going to lose, I, I would predict that they will lose $500 million on this movie, which is unfortunate because, it, I mean, other than a little on-the-nose, like, climate change narrative, there's really nothing offensive about this movie. The people that really like it, like it. And um, the media is desperately trying to make it a, you know, a cultural, culture battle thing. I just think it's a movie that, you know, waited too long to exist. Should have came out 10 years ago.
0: And next up today, Facebook is infested with CIA, FBI, and DHS employees. This is insane.
1: Pretty interesting thread, if true, uh, about some mm, internal influence going on at Facebook. Now, I know a lot of people are getting burnt out on the Twitter files. I understand. Also, Christmas is coming up in a few days, so people's, you know, uh, minds are elsewhere. I understand. I'm still going to do what I got to do. And uh, and hopefully you're enjoying the work. Now, one thing that was brought to light uh, through the Twitter files is essentially that if the uh, the number of X three-letter agency people uh, that work there, uh, it was an enormous amount, Um, X FBI, X CIA, all this kind of stuff. It was like, You Jim Baker there who is working on all this stuff. What if I told you, so let's say it was like 10, 10 employees or something like that at Facebook, right? What if I, or at Twitter, what if I told you someone had done a search uh, on Facebook employees and that there was 115 former three letter agency staff at Facebook? We know how the ex-FBI agents influenced what was going on at Twitter because they were never really ex-FBI. They were just FBI. Now, this is a thread uh, from someone who's just, it seems like just, you know, a regular. Oh, no, they got 11, 12,000 followers. Okay. Looks like they use the power of maybe autism or something. I say that in a good way. After learning that Twitter employees employs at least 15 former FBI agents. I searched Facebook. What I found is alarming. Facebook currently employs 100, at least 115 people in high ranking positions that formerly worked at the FBI, CIA, NSA, or DHS, 17 CIA, 37 FBI, 23 NSA, 38 DHS. It seems like these people, you would think maybe they leave the, you know, they go to the private sector to get paid out. I don't exactly know. All but a few of former intelligence agencies were hired by Facebook after the 2016 presidential election and after the uh, the FBI established their social media focused task force. So I wonder how many of these like worked for the FBI and they were like, "Oh yeah, you know you gotta you you gotta go apply for the job. You gotta go, you know we gotta place you inside Facebook." Give you a big fat salary and make sure that you know the American people never know the truth. I don't know that for a fact, but I do know that we know that there were very some very suspicious activities going on with former FBI employees at Twitter. Why would it be any different at Facebook? Three, as Matt Taibi detailed in the Twitter files part six, we know there was a massive coordination of censorship between the FBI and Twitter during 2020. 22 and 2020 who is controlling the quote misinformation censorship at facebook is there similar coordination between facebook and the intelligence community by the way you get a follow for that i did that okay the following is a list obtained through publicly available linkedin profiles of former cia fbi nsa dhs that are currently working at facebook at least 10 work in trust and safety parentheses misinformation Many of the LinkedIn profiles are private. So those will not be posted. What's interesting is like, you know, you might understand why a skill in, you know, misinformation, for example, you might, you might hone that skill at a place like the CIA or FBI. Um, but it's pretty interesting just how many of these people, Eric Berman, he, him, Leads the misinformation policy team at Facebook. According to Aaron's public LinkedIn profile, he worked for the CIA for 17 years. Aaron states that his experience at the CIA, including writing the president's daily brief, leading briefings briefings for cabinet members, senior NSC officials, and members of Congress. On Twitter, Aaron is followed by, you guessed it, Joel Roth, and admits he is friends with trust and safety people at Twitter. Was Facebook coordinating with Twitter on info sharing to censor posts they deem misinformation? Well, I think that's a fair question to ask. Aaron admits to specific Facebook campaigns where he tackles, quote, misinformation. Here's Aaron Berman. Check out Facebook's response to the Oversight Board recommendations on COOF misinformation. We are increasing transparency as recommended. Boy, the government just put their little tentacles in everything, didn't they? On a YouTube discussion with Stanford, Aaron admits that Facebook works with a quote, global network of over 80 fact checker organizations who direct Facebook on what, which posts to reduce distribution, add warning labels to, and shadow ban. Well, yeah, I wonder how many of these, you know, these, these, you know, groups are, are funded by the U S government. Aaron discusses in detail at length, Facebook, the lengths Facebook goes to into censoring what they deem as misinformation. Here are the entire YouTube, excuse the entire YouTube video in reply to the Brazil election. Here's Aaron Berman again. Here's how we're preparing for the Brazil election. Another example to the extent meta goes to reduce misinformation. Philippines election, we talked about Russia, Ukraine. Aaron retweeted the C- that the CIA backs insurgency groups. To be fair, backing this, if it happens, would be pretty different than trying to defeat an insurgency. We've got a more successful history there. I mean, um, you see, I, you have all sorts of stuff going on here. I mean, if this list is true, How many more people work there? Now, this is just one particular person that's listed. I don't know if he put out more names than just that, but it's actually insane. You see what's happening today. The Twitter space is a deliberate sabotage. Yeah. I mean, if we go back to December 19th, Jim Jordan writes at least 80 FBI agents collaborated with Twitter to help monitor the social media site. How many more were working with big tech companies? I mean, certainly a lot of them from the looks of it, right? Aaron Berman runs Facebook's misinformation department. Aaron Berman spent 17 years working for the CIA. Berman admits to removing user
2: content even if it doesn't violate Facebook policy. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it's it's insane to me you have hundred
1: and fifteen. I you know one thing that Trump talked about in his like, you know, his comeback policy or whatever is his, his uh, letter was like instituting a a chill out period for former intelligence agencies to go work in the private sector, in particular social media companies. And I don't know. I think that would have to be refined because you know you'd probably never have anybody work in the government or choose to work in these fields if they couldn't go cash in other places, but like. When they're, you know, when they're doing this to then infringe on Americans' First Amendment rights, that's pretty spicy. Oh, here we go. Okay, so there's more. Deborah B., she, her, current Facebook trust and safety, former CIA, 15 years. Scott S., current Facebook senior manager, trust and safety, former CIA, 7 years. Brian Weisbrand, current Facebook trust and safety, formerly nine years at multiple senior level leadership positions in the U.S. government intelligence community, former Twitter online safety and security analysis, four years, former YouTube trust and safety. Why do you think they keep moving them around? Hagan Barnett, current Facebook trust and safety offers lead former self-employed contractor with the CIA. Jeff Lazarus, current Facebook trust and safety,
2: former Apple trust and safety, former Google trust and safety, former CIA. Five years. How many, I mean, this is, I mean, right under our noses, right? Working hand in glove with these people.
1: John Rosa, current Facebook trust and safety, former U.S. Army Intelligence Security Command. Four years. Jason Barry, current Facebook trust and safety, former Department of Homeland Security. Seven years. Rick Cavallarios, former Facebook Trust and Safety, former FBI, 21 years. Sandeep A., current senior investigator, Trust and Safety, former NSA, four years. I mean, I I can't, like, I don't even want to go through all these. I can't. It would
2: take forever. But Facebook may be even worse Maybe even for far worse
1: than Twitter ever was. But we'll never know, I suppose, unless Zuckerberg has something to say. I mean, jeez, I mean, all these former intelligence agencies. Matthew Loop writes Facebook is that worst of propaganda machine that censors anything against a mainstream narrative. Yeah. All these ex feds seem to work at social media and trust and safety. I'm sure
0: that's not a coincidence. And next up, Elon Musk poll to step down as Twitter CEO actually a bot trap. Leftists furious with new solution.
1: It looks like there may be some 73rd dimensional chess going on from Elon Musk. Elon Musk. As it looks like his actual poll to step down as Twitter CEO may have been raided by bots according
2: to some new data. But like I said, like I said, Let's see, put this guy up here. Let's see what happens. There. Like I said, if Elon Musk was going to put his job
1: to a Twitter poll, he had already decided. He had already decided. He knew he was going to probably get botted into oblivion on that poll or maybe just lose it in general. It's difficult to say. But now people's heads are exploding a little bit because some of the data uh is is pretty interesting some of this data now as you see wall street silver writes very interesting when you compare the number of votes versus the number of likes on a tweet did bots brigade elon's post yesterday so he shows obviously that the trump post which had eight hundred thirty six thousand likes compared to uh 15 million votes and then the step down had a third almost as many likes with almost the same number of votes Pretty interesting, Um, very interesting to be honest with you. Elon replies to that, well, interesting. Then hot off the presses from Harris X, or Harris 10, who is a uh, voter research company, writes, a majority of Americans want Elon Musk to stay on as Twitter CEO. Uh, Finds Harris X in an overnight poll, 53% say Musk should stay on a CEO of Twitter, and a statistically relevant findings of 1,028 general population respondents. Two, the survey was run, some data further context. The Harris Overnight Poll survey questions were pushed live at 7 p.m. Eastern on December 18th, an hour after Elon's tweet, asking whether or not he should see on or step down a Twitter CEO, and was pulled from a field at 3 p.m. Eastern December 19th. Pulled from field, sorry. The findings of our study debunk the results of Elon Musk's Twitter poll on whether or not he should step down as CEO and provide a representative, statistically relevant perspective of what Americans actually think of his leadership. It's close, but a slight majority would like Elon Musk to remain on as head of Twitter. Elon Musk finds strong support for his role as Twitter CEO among educated respondents. The poll was run independently of Twitter, or any Elon Musk related organizations for its public release. Um, it goes on to say, here's the full poll data release. Important notice picture in our poll is even better for Elon. Among those who say they also use Twitter, 61% say stay on with 32, 39% say step down. Interesting. Elon replies, suggests that maybe we still have a itsy bitsy bot
2: problem on Twitter. Then, the the true mind
1: melter. Of course, it, confirmation of Sawyer Merritt, who often reports on Elon Musk, uh, writes, Elon actively searching for new C- uh, CEO for Twitter, sources told David Faber. Faber said that Elon's search for new CEO had been ongoing and began before the Twitter poll was made. Shocking. Of course, Elon replies with some laughy cry emojis. Alex in here, it's almost as if You publicly have been saying that you would eventually find a new CEO to run day to day since November. This is, this is what, you know, this is what I thought. This is the, this is the opinions that I had. Now, what's interesting too is what's really making heads explode is some comments that Elon made about the new, about who should be able to vote on polls. This is really getting people mad. Look, I don't think you should have to vote, pay money to be able to vote on Twitter polls. Uh, I just don't. However, what I do think is, you know, bots are a problem in particular on polls, especially if you're going to make Twitter decisions on polls. Now, a lot of people might say, well, I mean, they're, w- if there were bots on the Elon poll, why weren't there bots on the Trump poll? I think that's a f- reasonable question that people might be asking um but what's interesting is i would want validated people on the poll you know like if you could validate users on the poll or have like a two-factor authentication to vote on the poll i wonder if you could do that like a captcha something like that i just went through this with steven's uh mailing list he has he had a lot of bot activity on it and uh it kind of cost me a little bit of money to fix cost him he paid for it but uh You know, it's interesting his response was also that maybe only Twitter blue people should be able to vote on a poll. I don't know about all that. Uh, I think that could be a setting that you want. If you run a poll, you know, it'd be interesting. Like, let's say you ran a public poll, even like, if you think about it from a more practical perspective is what if you chose to only allow your followers to vote on a poll? You know, that would be more relevant to me. Like having outside influence, people voting on voting on stuff for me, it isn't very relevant. Verified only users, I wouldn't want that feature, but I could see why maybe it w- w- in places where it would be relevant if you'd want more substantive polls. And then you see this unfiltered boss rates. Blue subscribers should be the only ones that can vote in policy-related polls. We actually have skin in the game. I do... I don't necessarily disagree with this. It feels a little bit like, um, you know, shareholders, right? Like we're all paying our $8 a month out of $10. I don't know what it is anymore. Perhaps you view that as a shareholder. So if there's that, well, then what can you do? So, of course, the media losing their mind over it. After a majority of respondents to one of Elon Musk's polls concluded that he should leave Musk, whose affinity for Twitter polls is perhaps second only to his penchant for tweeting memes, on Sunday asked users if he should step down on CEO of Twitter. Shortly after, Musk tweeted, as the saying goes, be careful what you wish for. Among his many polls, Musk had previously run a vote on whether or not to reinstate President Donald Trump. The yes vote won with a 51.8%. After the ban on links to social media platforms infuriated users, the billionaire had vowed not to make any major policy changes without polling. Some users responded to the CEO poll warning that Musk, that polls are susceptible to being skewed by bots. One user suggested that only paying Twitter subscribers should be allowed to vote in polls. I agree. Good point. Twitter will make that change. Of course, Twitter blue is a paid subscription program. That's part of Musk's plan to revamp the money losing company and change its reliance on ads. Musk has not formally addressed the question of whether he'll step down. A billionaire who also runs Tesla and SpaceX have compl- has complained about the challenges of running the company, which he bought for forty four billion. This is CBS News. They wrote million, but it's billion this year after a pro- protracted legal battle. It has, it'll be interesting to see, you know, just how all this is going on. I mean, yeah, he's going to find a new CEO. I think that that's pretty uh pretty obvious uh the poll was it a honeypot? That's possible too. i mean gen- genuinely, it very well, maybe you know he was looking to find bots. he was looking to find uh you know uh people ruining the system but i I was always sure I was a hundred percent sure uh that perhaps i mean that he had already decided to step down. And again, it's not like really stepping down. When he bought the company, he was always gonna, he was always gonna shift it.
0: And last up today, Henry Cavill just destroyed absurd rumors and forced his apology from weirdo SJW for story on The Witcher.
1: Well, 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 what a tangled web we weave when at first we practice to deceive. You may have seen a very, uh, spicy. Henry Cavill uh, hit piece, I guess you would call it, um, floating around the internet. That was very specific, mentioning he was addicted to video games and all this other kind of stuff. That all the women around him didn't want to work with him, and that he was toxic, and that it was you know just he was the
2: worst human being on the planet. What if I told you that they were lying?
1: That they were liar, liars, pants on fires, and they have admitted it. Now, to give you a brief summary, Henry Cavill's smear campaign claims actor was removed from The Witcher because female Netflix staff found his pushes for source material accuracy to be disrespectful and toxic. The accusations regarding Cavill's professionalism were first whispered on the December 15th episode of the do you a celebrity gossip podcast hosted by the anonymous founder of an entertainment whisper website, do Moy. I don't know if I'm saying that stuff right or not. As she closed out the episode, following general conversation with her guest, Jerry O'Connell, the show's anonymous host proceeded to read out a message she'd received from a source who purported to know quote, what really went down between the streaming giant and the fan favorite actor, Henry Cavill. Quote, at the beginning of the show, wrote the source as relayed by the host and later transcribed by now deleted Twitter account. And there's more coming with that. Henry was good to work with a lot of unusual demands, but that made people feel like or that made people feel like he wasn't a team player. Well, that's not unusual for a big star. Though in TV it usually doesn't happen until the second season. But they then noted in season two and three, something shifted. And he became impossible for women to work with. None of them, apparently all the men on the show didn't have any problem with him. I, I don't know. Which was always a big problem. But even worse here. So he's, he's always been a big problem with women apparently. Apparently. According to this person with inside knowledge. But even worse here because the showrunner is also a woman. He would have tried to overrule her. And try to get changes made last minute across the board without her knowledge. Said the individual. Which... If you know anything about showrunning, is completely effed. The showrunner has to sign off on every minuscule detail, down to the buttons on a costume. Continuing to paint Cavill as a rampant misogynist, the source added, female writers and the directors were suddenly completely ignored on set, unable to do their jobs. Every department was complaining. They accused. He started making comments. It wasn't a, a spicy bedroom thing. He wasn't grabbing anyone or being lewd but it was disrespectful and toxic all the time. Of course. Further attempting to sell this unflattering portrait of Cavill, the source then went on for the laziest and most disingenuous media attacks and attempted to blame the actor's supposed new attitude on the fact that he was deeply addicted to video games. And to the point, it was like working with any other addict. He was distracted, he was late, he was obsessive. They started making a reference to the actor's Noted love of CD Project Red, So Witcher 3. A lot of people think the misogyny came from the gamer world. Who who are a lot of the people?
2: Video game bro
1: language is not how you talk to coworkers, and he wouldn't stop. I'm not exactly sure what video game bro language is. Was he saying stuff like no cap? For real, for real? Was he referring to food
2: as bussin? I I don't I don't understand. Playing up on the pearl clutching act too much to be taken
1: seriously, the source then fearmongered. Someone on the show compared to watching someone get brainwashed by the Q. Not the quartering, of course. His whole
2: personality shifted, the source said eventually his disrespect escalated. Nice. Of course, giving a list of
1: examples as to Cavill's disrespectful behavior. The source detail he would rewrite scenes without
2: even alerting other actors. I mean, that doesn't even seem reasonable because how would they know what to say? You know?
1: I mean, the idea of rewriting scenes on the fly without telling the other actors doesn't seem like it would ever really work. He decided he didn't want any romantic scenes at all no kissing, no shirtless
2: scenes. So, if a woman said this, it would be stunning and brave. It would be empowering. I mean, he formed a weird alliance with one writer who was also a gamer. Why
1: would that even be weird if that was true? They clearly have this in common, right? Um, And then after that writer left, Henry did anything he could to hold up production and cause problems. Again, no examples. However, the anonymous Insider has gained the supporter, one supporter, YouTuber Jeremy, the quartering, who on December 17th took to his personal Twitter account to declare, you may not want to hear this.
2: Um, Well, I mean, some of what I heard was true. I heard that he was very strongly pushing towards
1: wanting some stuff done a certain way. And And it had come to an impasse on the scene, on the set. I didn't say I didn't support wanting the content to be more source material related. But I was just saying part of what they said is correct. Everyone jumped on me like I was saying Henry Cavill was an evil gamer or something like that. But no, some of what what was in this letter was correct. But it did become, uh, uh, um, there was animosity on set between him and, and other people on the set. That I knew to be true. That's all I was saying. Of course, Bounding Out Comics frames it as though I buy the whole story. Thanks a lot.
2: Uh, who wrote this? Spencer. But. Looks like someone got sued. This is the person that originally leaked it. Legal disclaimer.
1: I regret sharing a transcript with these allegations. These allegations towards Henry Cavill have not been independently confirmed. And therefore shouldn't be not be considered to be reliable or true. I did not mean harm in sharing, nor did I intend for any slander to occur. This is clearly written by a lawyer. I apologize for all the upheaval this has caused, and I never intended it for to get, for this to get blown out of proportion. Yes, you did. My apologies for sharing this alleged and unverified information. Once more, none of the rumors mentioned should be considered as true. The story did not originate from me, nor did I fabricate it in an attempt to hurt or slander. This is the source from which it was transcribed, which should not be considered verified information. None of the content is independently verified. A lawyer clearly wrote this. Right? Like a lawyer clearly, clearly wrote this. Or it looks like maybe Henry, Henry Cavill's lawyer got involved. And uh, linked to the Spotify, they're trying to like extricate themselves. Not a good move. You got to be careful with this kind of stuff. You got to, you can't present this kind of stuff as true and factual. You got to be careful. Can't be out there saying things as facts, you know. But like I said, I heard that I have been hearing that there was a lot of turmoil on set, in particular with. The source material and the way the show was going and basically who had, you know, how the show was being focused. I did not hear anything about the queue or him being addicted to video games or him being disrespectful. That all seemed completely out of left field, especially since nobody's ever really said that about Henry. I do believe something weird is going on though. Leaving the Witcher, getting caught out of Superman. Maybe it's all coincidence because I mean, he did get another gig right away with the Warhammer. So I, it's not like he's untouchable or not that there's like this secret move against him. Just really weird timing.